This episode is brought to you by Dietz and Watson. Uh, Molly, it's time we have the talk about hot dogs. Oh, oh, okay. Well, hey, (laughs) I'm looking for a hot dog that's the real deal, Matthew. Like a classic hot dog that like when you think of like the platonic ideal of a hot dog, Mm -hmm. I recommend Dietz and Watson's Dietz Dogs. Ah, well, I've heard that they're handcrafted and made using only Dietz and Watson premium meat. I can vouch for this because Dietz and Watson sent us a big box of hot dogs and other delights. And wife of the show, Lori, and I had them for dinner last night. We had uh, the classic beef Dietz dogs with uh, toasted buns with sauerkraut and pickled jalapenos and Dietz and Watson ballpark style yellow mustard. Do you think you'd recommend Dietz and Watson hot dogs for fried rice? Oh, yeah. Fried rice with some sliced hot dogs. I'm going to be doing that soon. Wife of the show, Lori, is going to be making the hot dog flour buns from Christina Cho's cookbook, Mooncakes and Milk Bread. Very excited for this. Mm, And I'm especially pleased because Dietz and Watson does things the right way. So this means like no additives, no fillers, no artificial flavors, no cutting corners. You can feel good about this stuff. Dietz and Watson. It's a family thing since 1939. Shop now at Dietz slash the right way. That's Dietz, D-I-E-T-Z, and Watson.com slash the right way. I'm Molly. And I'm Matthew. And this is Spilled Milk, the show where we cook something delicious, eat it all, and you can't have any. And today's topic is Keynesian stimulus. <laughs> today's topic is mackerel. Oh, mackerel economics. Mackerel economics. Uh, that, what would that be? It sounds like a... Well, it's, I mean, well, it's like macroeconomics. Right. So it would be it would be the, the economics of like international fishery management. Oh, cool. Okay. Funny answer, huh? <laughs> wow. <laughs> You should be a comedian. Okay, so we're talking about mackerel today. I'm kind of surprised. Well, as with many episodes, I'm feeling surprised that it's taken us this long to get to this one. Well, to be fair, we did an episode called Unpopular Fish. It was uh, our first episode with a guest... Becky yeah, Selingut, who's that was like nine years ago. I think it was episode six. Wow. <laughs> Seriously. Okay. And we talked some about mackerel on that episode. Probably, I certainly didn't go back and listen to it because me neither. Yeah. Um, anyway, I you know mackerel shows up particularly in a lot of Japanese preparations. That's mostly what I'm going to be talking about because that's mostly what I know about. And given your relationship with Japan. Hmm your relationship. Have you guys had a DTR yet? Oh, we really should. Yeah. Anyway, it, I mean, you and the people I of Japan. About I that. think it could be a referendum. There could be a, a referendum. I think if there was a referendum, I would get voted out somehow. <laughs> Probably. Anyway, um, yeah. Like this guy just isn't doing it for us anymore. Given your relationship to Japan, I'm very surprised it's taken us this long to talk about mackerel. Yeah. Do you have any mackerel memory lane? I have zero mackerel memory. Oh, wait a minute. The one memory lane I have. And I, I was initially thinking, this doesn't qualify as memory lane because it's too recent. But then I realized, Matthew... <laughs> That what I'm remembering <laughs> took place in 2005. Oh, that counts. That for was sure. 15 years yeah, ago. That so ancient I, times. I dated this guy when I was in grad school. I dated him for like three weeks. Uh-huh. He um, he broke up with me. I think. Yeah, I think. If you can't remember for sure, that's probably that, that's a good way to to leave things. I right think. at yeah. the time, I was heartbroken. He yeah. was really he was like really attractive, and I had been warned. Oh, no. I had been warned that he was slightly bad news and that he really only, this is terrible, that he was one of those white guys who only dates Asian women. Okay. And clearly I'm not Asian. Mm-hmm. 
I think we may have talked about this before. I think we may yeah. have. Anyway, but what I remember is that at some point after we had broken up, it feels weird to even say break up when you've been like dating for three weeks. Yeah, I understand. Anyway, after we had stopped dating, at some point after that, when I was still feeling sort of strangely heartbroken by this, we went out for sushi and he knew way more about sushi than I did. Because that sounds like a fun date. He had been married to a Japanese woman and he learned a tremendous amount about sushi being in Japan with her family. So so this date was like, <laughs> let me teach you, uh, let me tell yeah. you how to eat sushi using knowledge I, I, I get from, from my, my Japanese ex-wife, ex-wife. Who I'm going to talk about a lot. Yeah, basically. <laughs> this sounds like the exactly, best date ever. Exactly. <laughs> I wish I could have been like at the table next uh, to yes. yours. <laughs> anyway, that was the first time I ever had mackerel in a sushi restaurant. And it may be the first time that I ever actually had mackerel was yeah. with that dude. Oh, and yet you still like it. And I still like it. I'm I'm glad that that guy couldn't ruin mackerel for you because it's a great fish. Yeah. Yeah. Anyway, I mean, the good news is, is I, I think I think he was just going through a hard time. I, think, I mean, I think that, that seems very generous of you. I I think he vaguely got his shit together. Okay, good. I mean, uh, it's arguable whether I got my ha- shit together. Have you been? Have you been? I think you have. Uh, have you been stalking him on Facebook? Is that why we're you friends know? on Facebook? Oh, okay, great. We're friends on Facebook. Yeah, mm-hmm. he, he sometimes sends you sushi tips, right? <laughs> Yeah, he loves to tell me stories about his like, uh, his old mother in law. I, I feel like I, I'm trying to 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 like ask myself like, am I really any better than this guy? Because like I I definitely mansplain things, and also I feel like I've I'm like a white guy who only only has relationships with Asian countries, and maybe that's just as bad. I I mean I think we could we could discuss this. Yeah, it would be very funny it, as, again. Ha ha! Oh, macro economics. <laughs> okay. Anyway. So I think the first time I had mackerel was maybe about the same time, maybe a little earlier than Did that. Did you date that guy too? Ah, uh, I mean, like it's so hard to remember. Like things, <laughs> things got pretty crazy in the in the aughts. Yeah, um, you and Lori were probably experiencing like the seven year itch around that point. Yeah, right. right? Or like or like the ten year. Yeah. Wait, had you been married ten years? No, you didn't get married in nineteen ninety five. I mean, we got married in ninety six. Oh. <laughs> For and we, reason, and we got thought, together in 95. Wait a minute. Did you guys, I thought you were like 20 when you got married. You were 21. Uh, <laughs> no, I was, I was 20. I was going to turn 21 later that year. And in fact, I did. <laughs> <laughs> I still can't believe you guys got married when you were 20. I know. Don't, if you're listening, don't do that. <laughs> but you guys have like made it work and you still like each other and okay, stuff. If you're listening, do do that. Okay. I don't know what the, what the lesson here is. Uh, is Lori- I think the lesson is do as I do, not as I. I don't, is, is Lori okay with the relationships you keep having with various countries I- in Asia? Well, that's that's a good question. I mean, I think yes, but I, I think she would really enjoy going to uh, Europe at some point. And I'm always like, <laughs> cool, let's go back to Japan. Um, so. You know, I recently watched Marriage Story, the Noah Baumbach movie that was nominated for a bunch of I've Oscars. I've heard of it, but have not seen it. In it, uh, the the wife, you know, as part of their divorce, is is citing this this complaint that she always wanted to live in L.A. They lived in New York, and her husband just kept putting it off and putting it off. And now mm-hmm. they're going through a divorce in the movie. So, Matthew, maybe you should like take up. <laughs> A tip here <laughs> well, oh, from uh, Scarlett uh, Johansson, and like if your wife says she wants to go to Europe, like take her to Europe. Okay, I. <laughs> or you're right. going to wind up in a message, Noah Baumbach movie. Message received. I'm you... taking Scarlett Johansson to Europe. <laughs> 
you are gonna wind up like Adam Driver. But I mean, but she hangs out in Tokyo also in that in that. Oh yeah, that's other true. Movie. She gets to hang out with Wait, Bill Murray. I'm gonna end up like Adam Driver that's if I a, don't change it's my a ways. Good problem to I have, mean, right? Yeah, I mean, I think I could handle that. Okay. Anyway, all right. All right. So I think the first time I had mackerel was at a restaurant now sadly closed for many years called uh, Takahachi in the International District in Seattle. Probably someone on eGullet, the food message board that we both used to frequent. I think it's technically where we met. I think really. it's where we met. Suggest, said that Takahachi was a great restaurant and you should go for lunch and get the uh, Saba Shioyaki, which is uh, salt broiled mackerel lunch set. Mm-hmm. And so I went and I did that and it was so good. Is this the place that it's in the ID and it was like um, one block off of Jackson? No, it's right on Jackson. Okay. Okay. It's now a a restaurant called Kaname, okay, um, and uh, which which is also good, but it's but it's kind of a different kind of place. And it had it had like a, a octopus, like a light up octopus sign mm, mm-hmm. outside. Mm-hmm. And now like the octopus sign and one of the booths from the restaurant are like a permanent exhibit at the Kobo like houseware store oh, on really? the next block. Yeah. Oh. Oh, okay. But you cannot sit in the booth and get food oh, because it's no longer a, a restaurant. restaurant. Okay. Anyway, so so salt grilled mackerel, we're going to talk about more about it, but it is so simple. It's like mackerel that's been salted and broiled, and that's it. Like mackerel is like I remember I, I like eating it probably for the first time. Like every time I eat it, the thing the adjective that jumps to mind is juicy. Yes. Because it is such juicy. an oily fish, but oily is not doesn't have a very positive connotation to it. No. And, you know, it's interesting because I think a lot of people, I think that people are often a little bit put off by mackerel because it is, because like many oily fishes, it is thought to be very like pungent, yeah, smelly. It, it's not that it's not those things. Yeah, but. But I feel like in truth, at least the one that we ate today was no more pungent than a piece of salmon. Right, which is also an oily... It's funny it's how we describe... It's also an oily fish. Like, like you wouldn't describe a marbled steak as oily, even though right. it is in the same sense that an oily fish is oily. Right. I, mean, I guess the fat in a fish has a lower melting point, but still, I mean... Also, there are plenty of pungent fishes that we we prize. Like, the anchovy has had a real comeback yeah. in uh, American cooking lately. I'm gonna I'm gonna try and, and work this in, into conversation that I that I could go for like a nice oily steak. <laughs> it just doesn't sound it's, right. Uh, right. So why so why like denigrate a fish that way? Why denigrate why a fish? That, why you got to do that? Yeah. Um, okay, Matthew, would you just would you tell me about what mackerel is? Because okay. for one thing, well, I don't know. <laughs> For one thing, I don't know either. (laughs) But so mackerel is is a name like, you know, we always run into this both with plants and animals that there's like a common name that actually gets stuck to a whole bunch of different unrelated things. But mackerel basically is a uh, it's a very common fish. Um, and the one we're going to focus on is the Atlantic mackerel. Mm-hmm. You know, like things that are like like Spanish mackerel, horse mackerel. Those are those are kind of more distantly related. Also, I mean, also certainly good. Do they taste remotely like Atlantic mackerel? Um, remotely, yes. They're also they're also like an oily fish. Okay. And then there's king mackerel, which wow. Okay, yeah. can we just dive into this because I'm getting overwhelmed. Yes, we can dive into it like a fish diving into the ocean. From not <laughs> so okay. Hold on. So mackerel um, is like a really beautiful fish. Yeah, it's silver. It's striped. 
And it's like, very, it looks very streamlined. Yeah, it's like, it's it's kind of like if, if you had a kid draw a fish, it mm-hmm. would look kind of like a mackerel, I Exactly. Think. It's sort of like an, from the side, it's like an elongated almond shape. Yes. Yeah. yeah, that's totally true. Whereas some fish, like, you know, salmon or whatever, some salmon have, like, it, it, they just don't have that, like, perfect almond shape. Right. And it's it's a plump fish. It's 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 got a roundness to it. Mm-hmm. It's really kind of cute. Yes. And yeah, so so we said like, you know, it's uh people people kind of balk at it because it it seems oily and smelly, but like and and that's not not true, but like so like you know stinky cheeses, like those are great too. Also, I think so much of this in is how it has been uh kept from the moment that it was pulled out of the ocean right. until it arrives on your plate because for instance, uh, you know, here in Seattle, like we eat a lot of salmon and I, I try to eat them, especially when they are like coming in right. fresh. However, I bought some previously frozen wild sockeye at the grocery store recently. And I usually don't have a problem with previously frozen fish. Uh-huh. However, I was very aware of how much fishier it tastes. Yeah, it does. And so, yeah, I think that we have to keep in mind that like what we attribute to these fish as like inherent properties to them are sometimes what's happened to them when they aren't the freshest or when they've been around for a while sitting in a freezer. Or... Right. And also, and this is going to be like super fucking funny, like there, there's also like like class and race layers involved because, you know, mackerel is is a cheap fish yeah. and salmon is an expensive fish. And so you know, we're all like, ooh, we, right. I love oily salmon. Right. In um, fact, like the oiliest Copper River salmon is so yes, expensive. I know. It's like $37 or something. And that stuff, I mean, it's almost like frying bacon. Yeah, it's it's good, so though. fatty. <laughs> it's so good. Um, anyway. So um, one one other thing I want to get out of the way is uh, that you have probably heard warnings about mercury and mackerel. And those apply to king mackerel, which is like a big ass top of the food chain mackerel that I don't remember ever having seen for sale on at least, you know, fish is is like much more regional still than other foods. And there are like fish that are common on the East Coast that we don't get much on the West Coast. So maybe on the East Coast of the U.S., you're getting you're getting king mackerel, maybe other parts of the world. I have never seen king mackerel in Seattle. Atlantic mackerel is low in mercury. Don't worry about it. Cool. Okay. Tell me more. I, I found this on Wikipedia. Like I, I did, I did a bit of a, a mackerel deep dive. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> when feeding on larger prey, schools tend to break down into shoals, and individuals find food on their own. When consuming plankton, however, Atlantic mackerel form tight aggregations, open their mouths as wide as possible, and extend their operculums, swimming in a tightly packed school that acts like a series of miniature tow nets. That's so cool. Wouldn't it be great if we could do that? What kind of food would you want to do? Well, it would need to be something flying through the air. Well, oh, so so pretty much bugs, right? (laughs) Unless we live in like cloudy with a chance of meatballs. Right. So maybe we could do this underwater. <laughs> like we could have meatballs <laughs> floating in a swimming pool. <laughs> okay. Oh, that's bobbing for apples. You, listen, that's right. what you're talking You're all invited to my party. <laughs> We're going to fill my swimming pool with meatballs and, and apples. By his swimming pool, he means his bathtub. Right. Because I do not have a swimming pool or a yard. But... Uh, we're going to fill the swimming pool with meatballs. We're all, you're all going to come over. We're going to join hands uh, and form, uh, what was no, I it? Think it's more a like toe net? I think it's more like we're going to go cheek to cheek. We're going to go cheek to cheek. We're going to open our mouths as wide as possible. So so basically forming like one communal mouth. 
of like all of all spilled milk listeners together. This sounds very sexy. Forming forming one communal mouth. Yeah, this just was. This like, sounds like somebody's like shot. weird weird fantasy. Yeah, of the communal mouth. It's. <laughs> I want the communal mouth on on my body. Yeah, yeah, interesting. All right, episode's canceled. <laughs> Okay. All right. Um, Tell me more. Okay. So, uh, still according to Wikipedia, historically in England, this and like I feel like this is going to keep coming up. There's like like you know many many like traditional ways to cook mackerel in in various European cuisines, including of course Norway, but also a lot in England that I don't know a whole lot about. And I'm hoping listeners will will be able to chime in. Okay, but historically in England, this fish was not preserved, but was consumed only in its fresh form. However, spoilage was common, leading the authors of the Cambridge Economic History of Europe, hey, we're back to mackerel economics, to remark, there are more references to stinking mackerel in English literature than to any other fish. Wow. Mm Mm-hmm. We've all been wondering, like, which fish... Which fish had been referenced most in English literature? Well, like, in its stinking state. Oh, Okay. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, (laughs) That's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil. Planning an international trip and want to learn the language of your destination? Then check out the language learning program Rosetta Stone on desktop or as an app. Rosetta Stone is designed to immerse you in the language you're learning. Plus, the True Accent feature even gives you feedback on your pronunciation. Don't put off learning that language. There's no better time than right now to get started. For a very limited time, listeners can get Rosetta Stone's lifetime membership for 50% off. That's 50% off unlimited access to 25 language courses for the rest of your life. Redeem your 50% off at rosettastone.com today so how do you buy it uh, the, you know the thing that i notice is that a typical like mainstream american grocery store doesn't often doesn't have mackerel have it. And, and is that because of these like race and class issues do you think no i think it's it's uh it's more like regional fishery issues because oh, okay. it's it's an atlantic fish and we do you know there is you know salmon is super super popular and so there is a whole like distribution system set up to get atlantic salmon well I mean, which is farmed anyway to the west coast but like for a fish where there isn't as much demand like mackerel no one's going to go to a lot of trouble to get a fresh mackerel from the atlantic to Seattle. Yeah. When okay. when we've got lots of other fish here. Have you noticed going well, I mean, how often do you go into like a mainstream grocery store on the East Coast? You, oh, have you I was, I was gonna all have, the time. How, how often do I go? I thought you were just going to ask me how often do I go to the supermarket no, like no, every no. day. I was going to ask like I, I would be curious to hear from any listeners who live on the East Coast of the USA, um is mackerel a common thing in yeah, your that's neighborhood? A good question. Like, like you know, another store? another like oily flavorful fish that I like is bluefish which I think is very common yes, on the East Coast yes. and is not really available at all on the West Coast. My parents, my mom who's from Baltimore and my dad who spent a lot of time in Baltimore, both used to talk about bluefish a lot. Yeah. Always, I mean, who, right. constantly talking about bluefish. I, why wouldn't you? Uh, right? It's like how we're always talking about the communal mouth. <laughs> um, okay, so unless unless you're in, in somewhere with access to a mackerel fishery, the mackerel that you buy will probably be frozen and that's okay. Okay. It's like so like with shrimp, it's better to buy it frozen than thawed because you don't know when it was thawed. Okay. And mackerel goes bad 
real fast, as as you may know from English literature. Yes. If, so, if you remember one thing from your English literature class, it's probably the thing about the spoiled mackerel. Yeah. Okay. So when you buy... That and like a couple lines of Chaucer. When you buy frozen mackerel, um, is it... Um, it's They're in individual fillets? You can buy a whole frozen mackerel or fillets. I usually buy the fillets because it's easier. And how do you thaw them? In do the you... fridge overnight. Okay. Cool. Um, yeah, and I so I buy them at Awajamaya. They're uh, they're from Norway. Uh, they come in like a you know a air tight package. You know, like a plastic flat. What am I trying to say here? Oh, it's like a vacuum seal. Like a vacuum thing. sealed pack. Yeah. Okay. They look really pretty, even even in the package, even filleted form. And like a pair of fillets is usually like six dollars. That's fantastic. Yeah, and okay. uh, we just we just shared one fillet for lunch. So that's a sizable amount, right? So you know, if you have a family of I don't know, not not huge eaters, but average eaters, yeah. you could get one pack for a family. Yeah, I usually buy one pack for the three of us, that and that's sense. and that's about right. Okay. Yeah, I mean, if I'm if I'm hungry, I'll I'll put away a whole fillet myself. Okay. And you eat the skin, right? Yeah. This uh, mackerel doesn't really have scales as far as I can tell. So you don't have to scale it and the skin is totally edible. And if you crisp it up, totally delicious. It's not, it it doesn't get like salmon skin because it's very thin, but it's good. Cool. So are there other ways to buy mackerel? Yeah. I mean, there's canned and smoked mackerel, which I have had and enjoyed, but like don't usually buy and don't really know much about because like I'm just not a person who who buys much canned or smoked fish. Okay, I, I am not my dad yet. I guess. Okay, but I guess you'll I think I'm going to grow into that. I think we can all be confident that you'll get there. Yeah. So tell me about how you cook it. So you've thawed it overnight in the fridge, and then mm-hmm. what do you do? Um, and then I I cut open the the package and I and I try to touch the the raw fillets as little as pos- possible because <laughs> they're really slippery. Because <laughs> they're slippery, like more so than than salmon. Yeah. Okay. For sure. So no matter how you cook it mackerel loves salt and acid. So okay. the the way I make it most often is I will, you know, pat the fillets dry, like salt them a little ahead. Like I've gotten gotten kind of into salting things ahead. Mm-hmm. Like uh, I think I think salting a steak ahead is the is a very good idea. Yeah. Like a, especially if it's a real oily steak. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just a carry on. Uh-huh. And uh, uh, so so get plenty of salt on them uh, and then and then just broil them and, until like, you know, they hit like, until they're cooked through, which is really easy to, to determine. And I'm guessing you don't need to, you know, uh, smear any oil or anything on top of it before you pop it under the broiler? You don't. Okay. Do you pop it under there? I mean, I'm just going to keep saying pop it. Just keep, yeah. Um, my puppet. Do you put it under the broiler um, skin side up or skin side down? Uh, so I will start it skin side down and then ah. make sure and finish it skin side up so the skin gets crispy. It is possible to burn mackerel skin, but uh, it's kind of good even when it's burned. And how do you know when it's done? Um, you know when it's done. You can either use the, use a thermometer and probably like like 150, 160 is fine. It's it's fatty enough that it's that it's one of the hardest fish to overcook. And um, do you- but also you can you can like nick nick and peek and and uh you know kind of just see if it looks done and do you so when you say it loves salt i mean do you salt it like you would salt a a piece of boiled potato like like a lot of salt yeah i think i think like go full potato no but like more salt than you would use on i I would see more salt than i would use on a piece of salmon 
Okay. Oh, that's fascinating. Yeah, okay. I think I think it's just really good that way. Like it balances out with the with the flavor. You know, it's it's an intensely flavored fish, and and like it wants that salt, and then and then squeeze some lemon on it when it comes out. Yum. Okay. And I'm guessing that's probably what you do most of the time. Because that's what I do most why of the time because it's so easy else. and it like you know it brings its flavor with it. It doesn't need much. Mm-hmm. Having said that, there are lots of other ways to prepare mackerel, both Japanese ways and not. Okay. Um, so when I was looking around for recipes, I found, uh, we'll link to it, an Alexandra Gornischelli recipe for a roasted whole mackerel, which I think had fennel maybe, which sounded really good. That sounds great. Um, you can you can certainly pan fry or grill a uh, whole fish or, well, you can grill a whole fish. You can pan fry uh, fillets or mm-hmm. grill fillets. Mm-hmm. There's this thing, escabeche yeah. or escabeche. Yeah. I, I, I mean, I've had it. Um, it it's, I, I um... I feel like recently there were a lot of a lot of restaurant menus that had like mussels escabeche. That seems odd. Them. It's one of those things where I, I like it in theory, but I I would never choose to order it or make it. Right. It's like it's like when you cook a protein usually and then and then sort of lightly pickle it after cooking, and yes. it can be served hot or or cold or room temperature. Mm-hmm. And it's it's a Spanish thing originally, but it's it's very popular in Japan also. Interesting. Yeah. Huh. Uh, in Italy, I think of them doing, I can't remember what they call, what you call that preparation in Italy, but I think of them doing it uh, with um, vegetables. Like, sure. Like, like a pan frying slices of zucchini and then letting them marinate in vinegar. Oh, that sounds really good. Yeah. Anyway. Italian food's kind of good. I know, right? I mean, I, I wonder like if there are a lot of people who feel that way. Um, friend of this friend of the show, Becky Selingit, is going to Italy soon. Um, I'm, I'm just going to announce that to everybody. Oh, great! Okay, um, cool. And uh, she asked, she asked me, um, "Have you been?" And I said, uh, "No, actually, I haven't." Um, and I said, "I'm just not really into Italian food." And I waited to see if she would buy it for a second. She did not. Uh, where's she going? Cinque Terre. A couple other, a uh, Perugia, okay, and one other place that I don't remember. All right, cool. All right, uh, have fun, Becky. Yep. Okay, so now tell me about you know specifically ways to to cook mackerel in Japanese cuisine, other than I mean salt broiled. Yes. So that's which we just talked about. Yeah, that that is one of the most popular fish dish, dishes in Japan. If you go into any supermarket in Japan, you will find pieces of mackerel fillet that I mean you'll find them like unsalted but also like salted and ready to broil okay um and the dish we made today which i had never made before but i'd eaten before is called saba miso ni or just saba miso and it is uh mackerel fillets that are braised in uh like basically a a rich miso broth so water miso sugar sake and ginger Mm. and you really you just Put the mackerel fillets into that broth, and you make a pretty small amount of it. You put a put a lid on it. You let it braise for like ten minutes, and then you eat it with rice. Delicious, Uh, so good. Hey, question about about cooking with sake. Yeah. So, is sake like a wine in the sense that if you buy some of it for cooking to have around for cooking, because it's it's such a typical like base Mm -hmm. ingredient in so many Japanese dishes. Does it go bad quickly? Like, or is it like mirin, where you keep it in the fridge and it's in between? So it doesn't go bad as quickly as like a white wine, but it goes bad more quickly than a mirin or a liquor. Okay. So I usually buy cooking sake because that's what most home cooks in Japan do, and it's fine. And how long do you keep it? Oh, it's salted, so it lasts forever. 
oh, okay. Oh, that's really good to know. Yeah. Okay, cool. I mean, yeah, you can't drink it, but right. you you wouldn't want to even if it wasn't salted, but for cooking, it's fine. Like I kind of I kind of don't buy the whole like use use a wine for cooking that's good enough to drink thing. Yeah. I feel like I feel like I have like broken that rule so many times and it always comes out fine. I am inclined to agree. I will say that last night I used a I was making um cream braised leeks mm, um, mm-hmm. where you you know you you brown some leeks in a pan with some fresh thyme and then you add in some white wine and then chicken stock and braise it and at the very end you add some cream it is so delicious did we have that on the braising episode I don't we probably had something similar okay but um, I used a white wine that I had already opened and was drinking and I don't know if it was the like the wine flavor in it is quite prominent yeah um, and that was really, I felt really grateful that I had used a wine that I enjoy drinking. But I think that that is, that's not generally the case. There yeah. are usually many more flavors going on. Yeah, like, I mean, this has nothing to do with mackerel, but like usually if I'm making like a red wine beef stew or something. That I will, is going to cook so yeah, long. Yeah, I mean, I will, I will use a like, not, not like a Franzia, but like the next level up of boxed wine. Yes. And it works great. Totally. Um, what, okay. a hot, what a hot take that was. Yeah, that was a wow. real that, that scorching. Was, that was one of our fiery rants. Woo! I'm so proud of us for, for keeping keeping the, the flame of alive. the rants alive. Okay, wait, tell me about this, this these other ones that you've listed, these other types of mackerel. Okay, so we're, we're going to post a recipe, uh, link to the recipe for the Saba Misoni from, uh, from our favorite Japanese cooking blog, Just One Cookbook. Um, it's so easy to make. It's so good. Um Shime saba is one of my absolute favorite things. It is a lightly cured raw mackerel, cured with with rice vinegar and salt, mm-hmm. and that's that's really all there is to it. it. You know, you you cure it, you slice it well, and then you eat it as sashimi, or it can be used for as a sushi topping. Mm. It's great. Okay, cool. I don't think I'd ever heard of that. Okay, before. next time next time we're in Japan. What let's kind order of, that. What kind of restaurant would you find it in? Like an izakaya? Absolutely. Okay. Yes. Okay. Oh, cool. Um, and finally, mackerel can be used to make himono, which is uh, semi-dried fish, where it, which is fish that's kind of salted and left out to dry, usually like outdoors over for like a day. So it's not like a fully like like jerky. Mm-hmm. It's just like much more dry than a fresh fish. Okay. And is is a like very typical kind of old school breakfast food in Japan. Um, and it's very good. Like, like it'll, it'll often be lightly grilled. When you and I went to Tokyo, just the two of us, um, and, and we stayed the first night in a ryokan and then yeah. had breakfast there the next morning, was that kimono? I that think we had? that was probably not. I think that was like, was it like salt grilled salmon, maybe? I think it was mackerel. Was it mackerel? Maybe it was kimono. Or like a sardine or something. Yeah. It was not a, it was not salmon. Okay. Yeah. Then maybe, maybe it was because that would be, a, that would be a very typical like in breakfast. Thing. It had a little bit of a dry look to it. Okay. And was delicious. So I have a story about kimono because like who doesn't? Oh yeah. So Many years ago, when I was still like calling myself a food writer instead of whatever this is, I got invited to like a, a like an industry event at Seattle Community College, and at this event, like some some like fish producers or like fish processors and like uh, you know 
product promotion board people from Japan came and presented all about, and they invited like chefs and food writers and food people uh, from Seattle. And they did a whole presentation about how they were going to try to market Himono to the non-Japanese, the, for, to the U.S. consumer who, who did not grow up with this in Japan. And and you we, were like, good luck. Exactly. Like they were like, so then they wanted us to answer all these questions. Like which of this, these packagings do you think is most likely <laughs> to, to get like middle America to buy semi-dried fish? And I realized I shouldn't use the term middle America. It's, it's a loaded term. Um, but uh, right. So we were all like, A, this is delicious. Like we would eat this all day long and thanks for bringing this stuff. And B, none of these, like, you know, adjusting the font on the packaging is probably not going to help. <laughs> That's so so. It was so sad. It was and so it was sad real. and like yeah. Wow, a good story. I don't know. I think I feel like like uh, like Japanese industries have have gotten better at promoting Japanese products and culture abroad since then. Probably, like I bet. I, I would bet, say select things. Select things. Yeah. Select things. Yeah. It's still weird that like everybody in America doesn't have a Japanese toilet because they are like objectively superior. Um, Matthew, I actually the other day went online and was looking up how much it costs to... It's like $5,000, right? Well, no, it's actually not as much as I thought. So the basic like Toto washlet with like mm-hmm, the basic mm-hmm. features, but um, we're not talking about the whole toilet. We're talking about like a seat. Oh, okay. So the seat with the warmer and the bidet. Yeah. Made by Toto is like 400 to $500. Oh, why doesn't everybody have I it? know, because Americans spend 400 to $500 on things that are much less fantastic. Right. Like, you're going to use this multiple times a day. It It is hard to describe if you've never experienced it. It is hard to convey just how good it feels to sit on a warm toilet seat. Right. So, so after we got back from Japan a few weeks ago, like, for about a week, every time I sat on the toilet and the toilet seat was freezing cold, I got angry. I, after we got back from Japan, I went out and bought one of those fairly inexpensive bidet attachments mm-hmm. for my toilet. It was like 80 bucks, uh, that brand Tushy. Yeah. Um, Ash and I managed to not get divorced installing it, which I was really proud yeah. of us for. And uh, even though it did require a trip to the plumbing store. Uh, yeah. But it's not supposed to. It's just we broke something we weren't supposed to break. I think the worst anyway, thing. Yeah. I love having a bidet attachment on my toilet. But it's not a warmer. It's not a warmer. But still, that's great. Yeah. Anyway, but if I was I wanted surprised. to warm my toilet seat, like, I think I, I got stuck at, like, you know, like, late, you know, getting up in the night and, like, like you know, the cold toilet seat and feeling hopeless and, like, never, like, went the next step and was like, wait, like, I bet I could get a toilet seat warmer. I'm just realizing this now. So, Matthew, you need to add a new line item to your budget. Okay. Uh, you know, go ahead, look up the price. I think it's $4.99 for the warmer and the, the like, the bidet. Like, okay. It's like the baseline one. All right. I mean, it's, it's a lot be, of money. Yeah. It's a lot of money. Could I but start with something that's think. just a warmer, maybe? Probably. Okay, I'm going to look into this. Okay. Yeah, Toto Washlet. But we, yeah, if you want all the bells and whistles and stuff, like you do have to pay a lot of money for that. Yeah. So I guess I guess like the thing that we feel most strongly about on the show is like <laughs> toilet keeping warmers. that ass warm. Yeah. <laughs> all right. You know what? You know what's good for keeping that ass warm? Oily fish. Oily fish. <laughs> yep. I totally pretend that I see the connection there. <laughs> <laughs> all right. I was thinking of like, I don't know, like 
Uh, I don't know. All right, so mackerel's great. Buy it, eat it. Uh, did I mention it's it's considered a sustainable fishery? I think now you I did. Have. I think you did. And uh, you can find us online at spilledmilkpodcast.com where we'll uh, link to the bidet attachment that you can <laughs> you can add to your to your toilet. We'll link to um, like the full Toto washlet seat. We'll link to only to the, to, only the, toilet stuff to the saba miso to recipe. the saba miso recipe. Uh-huh. Um, and uh, you can find us on Instagram at Spilled Milk Podcast on Facebook, facebook.com slash Spilled Milk Podcast. We're definitely like, I know we we like glossed over entire cuisines worth of mackerel preparations. Yes, yes, we certainly did. You know what one of my favorite is? Glossed over mackerel. <laughs> <laughs> I really, it's like pheasant under glass. I do think of it a fair amount in, in terms of Spanish cuisine. Yeah, I and think, I think we kind of, yeah. I think we blew it there. But I mean, we I mentioned just the gonna... esca, escabeche. That's true. I get. I, anyway, every time I say that, I feel like I'm saying something I shouldn't say. Yeah. Okay. Um, and and the, Abby Circatella is our producer. Yeah. Just I'm just dreaming, dreaming about that warm toilet seat. Yeah. Daydreaming. Yep. Um, Thank you for listening to Spilled Milk, the show that feels to your ears like a warm toilet seat yes, for your butt. That's right. That is what we are. Yeah, we are a warm toilet seat for your ears. <laughs> <laughs> I'm Matthew Amster-Burton. I'm Molly Weisenberg. Just making, making jokes about economists before we started taping. That's what we always do. Reese's peanut butter cups are the greatest, but let me play devil's advocate here. Let's see. So, no, that's a good thing. Uh, <laughs> that's definitely not a problem. Uh, Reese's, you did it. You stumped this charming devil.